Talk Live. It's my show. That's right. It's Mark in the big boy chair this evening, and if you think it's your show, you're mistaken. However, you can call in and talk about anything you'd like to talk about. This evening, I have Nick with me. Nick, say hello. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the show's going to be a little different this evening. Uh, Ian is off at the, uh, oh, I think it's the Radio and Records Talk Radio Seminar, schmoozing with all the big wigs. Uh, you know, all the guys in suits and stuff. Ian doesn't have a suit on. You can be certain of that. He's wearing a rumpled polo shirt, I'm sure. But, uh, well, I hope he has fun and, you know, him and Julia. I, however, have a baby on the way, and leaving town right now would be pretty irresponsible. My wife wouldn't like it. So, uh, it, it's your show. You can call in about whatever you want. No, not really. It's my show. Uh, let's go to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave? Can you, hey, Hello. Mark, can you, hear me, can you hear me okay? I got you, Dave. Oh, I think this is stellar. Uh, I, I don't. This is the first time I've ever heard uh, the show without Ian on it. Although I think it's great, but it's good to get used to uh, not always having him. It's it's there. rare that Ian is uh, not here, sitting in front of this mic. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I wanted to call in and talk about uh, the upcoming anti-war rallies in uh, well, in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Okay. On Saturday, it's a relatively interesting situation that's developing. It seems to happen over and over again. Uh, you know, the sort of a leftist group organizes the rally. Yeah, it usually has that feel uh, to then, it, these rallies. But then, uh, you know, us uh, libertarians kind of get involved and uh, try to, to kind of inject our message that maybe, you know, it's not enough just to, to be against war. You have to be against all the violence that the government does. Right, and, and usually these anti-war rallies are only against the Republican wars, it seems. I mean, I, I don't recall ever having heard of a uh, you know, Bosnia-Herzegovina anti-war rally. Yeah, well, there's been some, that, but uh, uh, but it seems like what happened is, is the the folks that are holding the rally invited one of our guys from nhfree.com to speak, Very so good. he'll have that chance, you know, to get his pro freedom message across, not just an anti war message. Very good. And that that would be kind of that would be kind of neat, mixing in the uh, the one with the other. So we're uh, you know, we're we're. We're managing to interject a little bit of libertarianism in, at, at the, uh, the anti-war rally. Right. I'm actually editing a story about it right now featuring uh, one of your callers, actually, uh, featuring a story about him and how he'll be speaking and everything. And that'll be up on RidleyReport.com tomorrow morning. Excellent. You know, I get the updates from uh, Ridley Report, and I love watching those little shorts. <laughs> I've been turned into a fan. Awesome. I have turned you into a fan. That's it's the truth. A Christian D fan. <laughs> thanks, Dave. All right. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Uh, Nick, do you ever get a chance to see the Ridley Report? I do, yeah, and it's well done. It, uh, it is. It, it's surprising what you can do with a little DV cam there. Yeah. It, and uh, he just he's created his own channel. Yeah, well, it doesn't take a lot of money these days to really put your own content out there, and it's pretty well done. I mean, I, I have to hand it to Dave. Without using a lot of money, he's managed to... He gets sponsorship dollars. I mean, people people buy ads on his on the Ridley Report. Yeah, well, I mean, being proficient with a with a camcorder, you can make something that's very watchable, that's fun to watch, mm-hmm. and, and something that people are willing to pay money to support, so... Yep. I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very proud of what he's been able to do, and it... it it's something for people to consider if they want to put their own content out there. It doesn't take a ton of money to get into that. The world is absolutely changing now. If a man, you know, a man with a DV cam can uh, essentially create his own channel out there that people get pretty much updated daily, just about daily there on the, uh, the Ridley Report at RidleyReport.com. I, you couldn't do ten years ago, unheard of. 
Yeah, well, it's democratizing the media, too. It's it's making it so it's not a top-down media. And, the, you know, blogs are nothing new, but now we're getting into video blogs, and it's a lot better content, stuff that people, the average person, I think, is more willing to look at. If you have some video content, you have, you know, audio content, something interesting up there that they can watch. Because only, I think, more academic people and people who are already concerned about the issues are the ones who are going to be reading blogs. Right. Generally, but if you some people might just stumble across a video and and get into whatever you're talking about. Right, I don't find myself very interested in blogs. Uh, people often uh, give me stuff to read, and uh, some I usually read the first paragraph if uh, somebody's forwarded it to me or whatever. But I don't feel obligated to read the whole thing simply because they could be long, and I just don't have the time to read them all. You know, I, I'm not a blog guy. However, I do listen to, uh, I do watch the Ridley report, report with a bit of video. Sometimes I'll listen to some podcasts. So I can see, you know, I, I can definitely see that the mainstream media becoming less and less the mainstream media. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll I'll look at blogs usually when it's more of a niche thing. Like, uh, for instance, there's a guy, he's a libertarian in Canada, and I like to keep up, you know, with what liberties, what's happening with liberty in other parts of the world. And it's kind of hard to find that through traditional channels. So when you find a blog, that might be the only content that's really dealing with what you want to hear about there. So that's that's the only real source you can find. But today you can find that information online, whereas even even through the Internet, you'd have difficulty finding certain information like that about a certain niche if you were interested. It just wasn't there. Speaking of uh, liberty, uh, you know, blogs, talking about liberty around the world, Ian has set up my uh, my. Google homepage to uh, be you have this little technorati thing on so that it'll search for Free Talk Live in anywhere anywhere as far that mentions it in a blog, and so I'll often end up on websites uh, where it's like German or Swedish and things. We have a lot of Swedish listeners, oddly, and um, you know they they they're mentioning Free Talk Live and it's just I can't understand what it says at all. So uh, it's it's spreading all over. Yeah, I assume it, they're talking good about us. I well, sometimes yes, sometimes probably not. But uh, the vast majority of blog posts about us are very positive. Yeah, generally, if you're going to talk about a podcast in your in your blog, you're not going to complain about a bad podcast because, frankly, there are a lot of them out there. So what what do, what are people really going to care if? Oh, I found this really bad podcast. So you're probably going to talk more about the positive things that you want to direct people towards. Absolutely true. Um, uh, Frank in Oregon, go ahead. You're on Free Talk Live. Uh, hey guys, how you doing? Good, uh, sir. How about you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, a, qu- a quick comment about the uh, the Google feature you're talking about. You know, they have a translator on there, so if it is in a different language, you can you can quickly translate it. So you could probably read you know sixty to eighty percent of the page. But uh, I, I find this new technology you're discussing uh, disturbing and, and frightening. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, I'm sure both of you are aware of uh, Michael Badnarik, the uh, 2004 libertarian uh, candidate. He's also a uh, constitutional scholar and a teacher. And I've got his book. He has it's a radio good. show on We the People Radio Network. Yep, I've got, I've got his is. book. It's uh, called uh, It's Good to Be King, and he signed right. it for me. It was awesome. Yeah, I've met him so as well. I listen, I listen to his show um, pretty much daily. It's on a, uh, on Central Time, so I have to listen to it in, in recorded form. I can't listen to it live. Um, but today they were talking about immigration. And what time is he on? You know, B- before you go on, what time is he on? Sure. What time is he What's on? That? What time is he on? In, in, uh... Oh, it's it's like 7 a.m. Central Time or something like Good that. Good heavens. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's too early for me. But anyway, um, they were talking about illegal immigration, and they had a couple of guys on there from the uh, the Patriot you know, Border Protection Militia. And those are the people who 
kind of sit on the border, independent from the border patrol, and they, they sound like they the kind Minutemen. Do their own surveillance. I'm sure you've heard of them before. They sound like the Minutemen. Yeah, they're they're kind of a splinter group from from the Minutemen. But, oh, good. Uh, the Minutemen a, splintering. That that doesn't mean anything good to me. If the Minutemen are splintering out, that means that I don't know. I don't know the politics behind the splinter, but I, from what I understand, they used to be some of the Minutemen, but now they're in this different group. Okay. But, I don't know all the, all the details, but they sit on the border, and this is the New Mexico border, and they, you know, they do surveillance, and they apprehend and, I don't know, report the Border Patrol to these, you know, illegal immigrants anyway. Right. But um, uh, Michael Badnerick is this, you know, principled kind of libertarian guy, and he was, you know, supporting all of this, you know, more border fence, you know, more immigration policy, follow the law. And he even led into his uh, radio show with, um, this is Michael Badnarik, the defender of everyone's individual rights, except those who come here illegally or unless you come here legally, which I, I don't understand how this, this rift in, in the libertarian ideology has, has happened with this immigration policy. And I'd like to coin a new term for anyone out there that is under this persuasion called Stato Liber Fascist. So Stato Liber start, Fascist? Yeah, We're going to find out what that is. Uh, we're coming, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back and find out what a Stato Liber Fascist is. Sounds complicated. This, yeah, this is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's my show. And my name's Mark. And mine's Nick. And uh, you're listening to Free Talk Live. Be sure to check out Free Talk Live at freetalklive.com. We've got a BBS there with hundreds of thousands of posts, with thousands of people uh, posting. It's uh, it's a free-for-all in the BBS. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents. Patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save 10 bucks off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. So we're going to go back to Freedom Frank in Oregon. Frank, you there? Yeah, hey guys. Okay, so what, what was this crypto-fascist, what, what was this word that you were recoining? Okay, I, I'm proposing a new word for so-called libertarians who support closed border policies. Okay. And that and that word is stato liber fascist. Stato. stato meaning someone who loves the state, liber for you know the beginning of the word libertarian, and fascist for the collusion of uh, companies and government to prevent um, illegal quote. Uh, immigrants from gaining a foothold in the U.S. economy. Couldn't you just call them a liberal fascist? Uh, I could, but I think having the state in there is a little funnier. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, that this is sort of a – it's a schism between the two groups. Uh, and I, I hate to call – I hate to, to take the libertarian pie, which is a mighty, mighty <laughs> thin slice of pie, and then – Slice it down further, but there there are certainly two uh, ways of thinking about this, many ways of thinking about this. You know, I'm of the opinion that free people should be able to cross free borders freely, and that's what makes a free country free. Uh, you know, right. one, one of the many things. But there are many people that sort of subscribe to the the sort of constitutional, um, the, more of the constitutional types that subscribe to the idea that 
well, you know, the the government was set up, and government, you know, our our nation has a border, and and we have to protect that border, and you must go through whatever rigmarole the uh, we've we've come up with to, you know, extract money and and all kinds of stuff from these these poor people that want to provide for themselves. You know, at one point we welcomed, uh, uh, you know, the, the downtrodden, your your wayward tossed, and all that stuff. Not anymore. I don't know if I'd say we exactly welcomed them. I, there's always been an amount of animosity between the native-born American people and the large immigrations that have come through, the Irish, the Italians. We didn't, saying we, the Anglos, didn't like the outsiders. And then they stayed long enough, and they became the insiders, yeah. and usually beat up on the next group, group to come along. But You're they right were about that, to and come. that's what's happening now. Right. I mean, exactly. the, the children, the children and the the grandchildren of immigrants are complaining about how the um the the illegals, the undocumented workers, come into this country and don't follow rules that weren't in place that did not exist when their parents and grandparents and great grandparents came to this country. And I think it's right. absolutely yeah. I mean, ludicrous. If, if we had the INS and all these other bureaucracies in the 1700s or the 1800s, we would have the 19, no early America 1900s. as we know it. Yep, absolutely. So, um, Go ahead. It's a total contradiction in terms to be a, you know, liberty-minded, libertarian, freedom lover, and then want to shut it, our doors to everyone who is seeking the same thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. Well, you know, um, it, I, I don't get I, – I, it's, it's an important issue, I think, but I don't go – I don't get too hard on the libertarians that support it. I just think that, uh, you know, repeating our message over and over again, libertarians who understand the concepts of liberty will see that an open border is really the only policy that works. And they don't trust the government to do anything else. Why would they trust the government to, to um, exactly. handle the border? Well, I do. I do. I mean, I believe that the state constitutionally has the ability to regulate immigration. And I think the intention was that was with that was never to prohibit immigration. So if you're talking about very narrow restrictions, saying that you have to declare when you enter the country and having certain requirements um, to becoming a citizen in the naturalization process, I think that's, you know, that's within the realm of you know, a reasonable restriction on it, but still allowing people to come. And, but the problem with that is, of course, it's the government, and you start out with maybe, like we did bit. in this country, we started out with very, you, know, you sure. write your name, you're here for a while, and you're a citizen. That's the way it is. It was, but, but if now, I got to set it up, you know, I would say that uh, everybody needs to, to give a little little bit of blood um, to you know be tested for diseases. But the fact is, if you have uh, tuberculosis and you've gone to the border one time, you realize that you have uh, drug resistant tuberculosis and you still want to come to America. You know, with I, I wouldn't have border agents uh, bristling the border, so therefore those people would just sneak across like they do now. So I don't even know that if there's a point in uh, what I would prefer to see, which is checking people for diseases and that kind of thing. Um, I would also not let somebody who doesn't speak English and doesn't know anything about our politics just jump right in and start voting. Um, but then again, I don't really think we should have much voting anyway, or the people that we vote for shouldn't have a great deal of power. So... I'm with you uh, largely there. I, I think that most Americans couldn't pass the citizenship test anyway. So That's true. Uh, Definitely. I wonder why we let them vote. 
Well, uh, that's yeah. I, what I was talking they're about. Americans. Yeah, right, they're Americans. <laughs> they're, as far as I'm concerned, if an illegal alien's unqualified to vote because they uh, can't answer the citizenship test, then uh, you know I don't think Americans qualified to vote either. However, most, most people just, in America can't even name their congressmen, let alone their city councilmen or aldermen or selectmen. So yeah, yeah, it's. That, that that whole argument is, is frivolous, and and so are all the other arguments regarding legal immigration. Like our economy won't be able to handle it. They're Absolutely taking our ridiculous. jobs. They're they're going to convert our our country into a communist state, which is another pop popular one I yes. hear, which doesn't make any sense. Why would you be escaping the place? To only set it up again in a new place, it's like well, I do think that's a danger. Prison to build another one it doesn't make sense. I would I would agree that that is a danger that uh, they could very well. Yeah, I think that they would escape their uh, despotic uh, rulers and come here and set you know set up some kind of communist. Uh, try to set up some kind of communist utopia simply because it happens here in New Hampshire. The people from Massachusetts leave Massachusetts because the taxes are so high and arduous. They come here and they want to have all the you know nonsense that they have in Massachusetts. You know, it happens. Well, well, if you take a constitutional view and you are, you know, in America as a citizen, then um, you should be able to abolish the government and institute something that you think is better. And uh, by preventing people from coming here physically, uh, I don't think that's going to really help the situation. It seems like it would be better to promote liberty for everyone rather than just for a select few. I, I'm, I'm, I believe that the that uh, that our country could handle it. Uh, I absolutely do. The, I, you know, a completely open border. I think that our country could handle it, and that we would we would teach people in the same way that they they're going to learn English. That they would, to some extent, learn um, you know freedom and liberty. But we need to teach our citizens concepts of freedom and liberty and what a republic means before we can expect the uh, the, the immigrants to know. Of course, the Mexicans are voting Democrat. I mean, <laughs> they they just you know they they don't have any of the they don't have any the ideas of liberty instilled in them, and we're not doing it. We're slowly moving towards uh, communism in this country. And uh, as a matter of fact, I that's that's what I wanted to talk about this evening was uh, the Communist Manifesto. Frank, thanks for calling. Well, we are, we already have all ten planks set up in this country, so well, we're going to pick them up one by one and see. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, it's it's it is scary how far along the road we are um, to communism. We got we do have it better than a lot of the rest of the world, but we're we're on that path. And once you start down that path, it leads to one place. So. Well, we will see when we get back. Um, the first the, the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto. This is Free Talk Live. Keep listening. show call in and talk to me about whatever you want to talk about this is mark and nick you're listening to free talk live okay so uh i was going to go into the uh the, the 10 planks of the communist manifesto then i got inundated with calls so uh i'm going to try to get on the amplifier line and this you know the, the inmates are running the the inmates are running the asylum tonight so we'll see how it goes um giving a shot to talk to mike in california if this doesn't work and you're on the amp line, you're going to have to call back at the, in the regular number, 800-259-9231. I think it's the first time I've given that number this evening. That's 1-800-259-9231. Mike, are you there? Hey, I'm here. You did it. Awesome. 
I don't think the uh, inmates are running the uh, asylum. I think the ex-cons are. <laughs> That's well. There you go. <laughs> oh, the uh, the new format of the show has me a little confused. Is Nick going to take his shirt off today? Um, we don't want that. <laughs> I only for money, which I, right. I think is how it worked for Mark. I don't think Mark did it for free. Nick <laughs> Nick is a uh, native New Hampshireite. I, I don't know what you call it, New Hampshireans. N- New Hampshireite, you had it right. Yeah. Um, the, and and you know his chest has got to be just pale as it could possibly. It probably looks like a the bottom of a flounder. It does at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So uh, what were you calling about? I'm very very curious about uh, your experience building your own home. Uh, I have. You know, I'm I'm probably far more curious than we have time to talk about. Like, but but if I wonder if you could just say a few words about your experiences, challenges. I think you're. I think you've said in the past you're trying to go off the grid. So maybe also your experience taking a product like this this kind of house kit thing that you bought and then converting it to have I don't know whatever you did better insulation or solar power or this or that. Well, um, you know, as far as uh, my, my first, uh, the first thing, looking back on building a house, is I would say this is the sort of experience that I would not recommend for anyone, um, is, you know, just uh, dealing with the government and having to get the, uh, the permits and that kind of thing, beg them to, uh, to build on the land, and then dealing with the contractors. See, the, the contractors sort of have, a, have an advantage um, in that I haven't built a house before. And generally, most people that they deal with haven't built houses before, so they don't have experience. So they're dealing with unexperienced people. The only person with any kind of experience in the room is the contractor. And it, it seems like everything that I have is double the budget. And I, wow, you know, I've just I've got to say that is it, it's fun. The idea of building a house, laying it out, and all that other stuff. But I would recommend buying a computer program that helps you lay out houses and not building one. Um, you know, buy a house that's already in, in existence. You, you, don't, you don't have to worry about all the codes and, you know, oh, they're going to make you tear it down if you put the stairs here. You don't put five-eighths inch drywall on the ceiling. You've got to have a fire-rated door here. And good Lord, all the crap that goes into it. And the town that I'm in is easy, easy as far as these things go compared to any place else. So that's my first recommendation is forget it. Uh, second thing I... You know, I mean, obviously, on uh, I tried to look at money versus insulation, and um, I'm going to work on, you know, uh, generating my own power, probably hydro uh, power. I've got a little brook there that runs through, and I might part of the year do that. And I don't think I can – I can't, really can't do the windmill without chopping down all the trees, and windmills <clears throat> really aren't the greatest source of power out there. And, you know, I – I've kind of looked at these things. If something really great comes along, I might do it. I'm, I'm probably going to get a wood boiler and burn wood. But, you know, there you go. That's that's what I'm looking to do to save money. Would you say that um, all the uh, government approvals and all that crap that you've been having to wait for really slowed things down or just just added to the cost or both? It was either two or three months, um, and wow. it, it, so it slowed it down at uh, two or three months. And that results in me me building a house in New Hampshire from December to March, the absolute time I did not want to be building a house. Right. Um, you know, I, at first I wanted to get my wife in there so that uh, she's pregnant right now. You know, she's gigantic, and she's waddling along uh, ice in the middle of winter from the, the car to our rental house. It's it's a terribly dangerous situation. I have her hold my pants. She's not allowed to walk from the house to the car by herself um, currently. 
but I wanted to put her in the house so that she would be, you know, in the garage and directly able to walk in the house and never have to touch on uh, touch her feet to to ice. But that didn't work out because of the, you know, the, the government process that 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 went along. And then, you know, once they started building the house, I I've got some free state project guys that are helping me with it. I, I'm compensating them so that they want to go out and do it every single day, but I'm not compensating them very well. It's mostly activism <laughs> on their part, I, I must say. Um, and you know they they want to do it, so I'm not going to stop them from doing it. It sh- certainly will save me the I think it's 700 bucks a month in rent or whatever I'm paying. Um, here, here in Keene, you can get relatively low you know rent prices. So. Is the one person in the room who's experienced that you said your contractor is that person also a free stater or is that like a third party? No, not a third party. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> I don't know that there are any free state uh, free stater contractors here. Not I yet. Do, yeah, I do know that there's one uh, heating and air conditioning guy um, named uh, uh, Main Shark. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Sure. Oh, we have a couple actually. There's another HVAC guy who moved. I forget his name, but he moved in too and was working over in that same area of the state. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of free staters doing a lot of different things, and I think that'll be a good thing. Um, obviously, I want to uh, support them and their businesses as much as I can, but you know, it, you still you still want to price things out. And when you were choosing um, land, you you bought a plot of land first, of course. Eleven um, acres, right? Wow, nice. Um, did you did you have to? Is there zoning issues? Did you have to have? I mean, I know you have to have uh, permits and whatnot to build, but are some plots of land? Maybe this is a Nick question. Are some plots of land not allowed to build houses on? Uh, that's yeah. And this was a commercial plot. I actually was Mark's realtor, so we yeah, went through yeah, the process used a together. Realtor. Um, and uh, yeah, we had to go through a uh, uh, an approval process because this was a commercial. We had to zoning. deviate. We yes. were deviants. Even though even though this was uh, basically a less intrusive use of the land, you have to get a variance on on it so that you can build a house in a commercial district. It's it's pretty much woods, but it's zone commercial. So wow. that, that's what held the process up to some extent was the town wanted this and then they wanted that. And, you know, they only met once a month. Uh, so it was kind of, if you didn't have it that first go around, you had to wait a whole other month to get it. So. Yeah, they, the, the, the town doesn't get together very often. It's a very small town. Uh, so not a lot of people there, and they don't they don't want to get together all the time and talk about you building your house, even though they want to stop you from doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, if it if it had just been me, I probably wouldn't have bought the land in the first place. But if it had just been me and I decided to buy the land and build, I probably wouldn't have gone through the process. I probably would have said, um, let them come after me, and you know, then we could have negotiated at that point because I just think it's a better position. I've got a house here. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know? <laughs> but right, well, um, yeah. I'm very fascinated, and uh, but I'm sure there's other people with more topics. So congrats on your house, and good luck, and thanks for the info. Thank you, sir. See you guys. Yep. yep. Sorry, I'm working on the buttons here. All right, and uh, going on to Sean in Virginia. Whoops. Sean Hello. in Virginia. Hello. Hello. Hey, you're on Free Talk Live. Okay, I uh, wanted to talk about um, Reason.TV. Okay. Oh, hold on, I'm merging right now. You do what? I'm, you're merging? I'm on the highway right now. Well, be yeah. safe. We don't um, want to hear any crashing noises. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what, what do you all think about cell phone bans? Because I think Maryland is about to do one like while you're driving, banning cell phones. As long as you're in between the lines, I don't care what you're doing. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion that uh, cell phones are distracting and uh, one should be careful. But you know, I do it when I'm driving too, and 
there's lots of things inside the car that are distracting. It's I, not just cell phones. I think cell phones are like seventh in the list of streaming kids distractions. Hot coffee on your lap yeah. and God knows what I else. think the radio is one of the leading killers. Never say that again, Nick. All right, Sean. So uh, recent TV. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to say about Reason TV. If you guys have seen it, and it's like has Drew Carey, and he's pretty mainstream. So it seemed like it'd be, and they're like two or three minute videos, like pro liberty oriented videos. Um, I I haven't seen Reason TV honestly. I mean, I've heard that Drew Carey's on there, and that's pretty darn cool. But uh, other than that, I really don't know. I've watched it, and he does a good job, and I'm glad to see that Jim stepped forward because I'd known he was a libertarian for quite a while, but he's finally gone public, and you know, it's well done. People should check it out. Reason TV, and I think they're up to like episode eight now with Drew Carey. Yeah, I just thought it'd be a good idea for like people that have no idea like about government and. Free Talk Live, it's my show. My name's Mark. And mine's Nick. And uh, you can call in about, but you can still call in about anything you want to call in about. And uh, at 1-800-259-9231. And uh, while you're dialing, check out Free Talk Live. There's a shrine of female listeners. We've gotten all kinds of new, uh, uh, young, uh, attractive uh sparsely dressed Shriners. Now, that's not the purpose of the Shrine of Female Listeners. The purpose is just women who listen to the show. Each one has their own little picture. We have them separated out, and we're, they've, they're verified that they are, in fact, Free Talk Live listeners. So go to shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 9th through the 15th at Porkfest. You'll be able to see firsthand why Ron Paul loves New Hampshire and its activists and tour New Hampshire on special FSP bus tours or on your own. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. So, um, you know, I guess we go straight to the calls, right? I mean, More calls than we're used to, isn't that's it? what this show's about and stuff. So, here we go. Puke from New Hampshire. Puke, you there? Hey, guys. How are you? It's Excellent. working, I think. Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, at the uh, the beginning of the show, I caught uh, Dave was mentioning uh, um, free staters kind of uh, getting in there with their libertarian message. Yeah. Well, um... I was the person that he was talking about, I think, uh, because I was invited to speak at a uh, peace rally that uh, the free staters have nothing to do with. This was, you know, other people in Keene got it going, and there's, you know, there's going to be rallies all over the uh, the country because it's the um, the fifth anniversary, fifth year anniversary of the war in Iraq. Well, well and, you think uh, we'll have a peace rally on the uh, fi- the fiftieth anniversary of uh, us being in Iraq? I hope, like hell, no. I, I would be. It would be great if we didn't have one on the 6th, but that's probably not going to happen. Seems real unlikely to me. Yeah. But um, but what I was uh, wanting to call about, though, is, you know, he was talking about uh, kind of, you know, getting a more libertarian message in there instead of just a Iraq war sucks message and Bush sucks, which is basically as far as most people go yeah. when they think about, you know, anti-war. They don't, they don't you know, take it any farther as far as, you know, it's the politicians and the government that, are the ones that are doing all this right. uh, they, crap to us. There, there they, are some I people mean, out there that are entirely anti-war, and, and I think that's great. Um, at, you know, the sort of the, the greenies, the ones that, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of hippie-ish out there. Um, right. There are many Democrats out there that think the war sucks because Bush sucks, and therefore anything he must do must suck. 
And right. then or there's a pe- that people that are sick they, of spending the money like me. Yeah, and they, or, or there are people that think that only the Iraq war is bad because it's not being fought properly. You know, right. We didn't just nuke everything or something. I don't know. But, um, you know, my, my little uh, dilemma that I have, though, is that I am representing a, an organization called Iraq Veterans Against the War. Right. I'm, I'm not, you know, there as a free state or whatever. So, you know, what, one of my dilemmas is, like, how much libertarian do I put into my speech? Because I don't want to just run up there and be like, you know, government sucks, down with the government, anarchy, blah, run around and throw bombs or whatever, like most people think anarchists do. Um, you know, so I just... I wonder if you guys maybe could uh, fill in what you think somebody should speak about if they're not actually representing the Free State Project, but just, you know, like well, what would you do if you were in my shoes, just out of curiosity? How did, you, how did you get in touch with this group? Did they approach you, or did you approach them, or how did that work? They contacted Iraq Veterans Against the War, okay. and then they contacted me because I live in the area. Oh, okay. So it was through that organization. Um, I, would, I would try to keep... I would interject some of the liberty message, but in regards to the war and war in general, um, I think you're pretty safe talking about from a libertarian viewpoint on war and how how the government, you know, relates to war, how it causes them. I would stick right. to the war topic. I wouldn't, and I think it even turns um, some liberals off when people at anti-war rallies start bringing up other things about Bush Cheney or the economy or healthcare. That's not what people are there to hear, and I think that's where you run into trouble. So I'd keep it to foreign policy and our our recent war policy and try to speak to that from a liberty viewpoint. But that's that's where I would come from. I don't know if Mark's got a different. Take I think on I it. do have a different take, and and I'm not gonna I'm, I'm you know not not gonna berate you over it or anything like that. I'm just you know I've recently cracked like my mind is gone, and and uh, I think that recently? I would probably just. Say you know I'm I'm not just against this war I'm against you know violence and I'm um, when I say violence I don't just mean violence that uh, we actually you know commit against people but violent the threats of violence against people and right. by that threat of violence I mean well the government that you know people democratically elect here and then foist upon me because if I don't participate then they're gonna you know lock me up or they're gonna take away my house or they're gonna beat me with a stick so I hate this war. And I hate violence, and I hate democracy. I, I, I think that I would just, you know, I, that's what I would probably do. Yeah, I don't think I'll go quite that far. Yeah, there you I, go. I would, like to, I would like to point out that, you know, people need to realize, and, and for some reason people think that, um, you know, the Republicans started the war so Democrats will save us. You know, I want to point out that it's the politicians that are that are causing all of these wars and conflicts. It's not just Bush and Cheney and the, yep. uh, the current administration, you know. You sure? Yeah. Clint, Clinton uh, lobbed bombs at uh, Iraq, and he, uh, you know, went into Haiti right. and uh, well, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Yeah. yeah, and he set up this current war with a lot of his Iraq policies. So, I, yeah, I point that out. And it's not like the Democrats have done anything to really stop the war. They haven't defunded. Right. Yeah. They haven't sought impeachment. They haven't done anything. So I'd point out that the Democrats aren't the proper solution to the Republicans. Yeah, I wanted to point out that, you know, what, how long have the Democrats been in office now, the senators? Going on the two. The people elected, you know? But, Going on two years. Uh, yeah, so uh, what's happened? Nothing. You know, they, they haven't accomplished Jack. Yep. Uh, so All right, know, I, just, I just wanted to get my up uh, or ask you guys' opinion. So thank you very much. Yep, thanks a lot. Bye. 800-259-9231. Going to Cisco in Arizona. Cisco? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, speak up, would you? All right. Yeah, I'm uh hey, I'm calling uh 
because uh, I've just now gotten to your guys' show about two months ago, and uh, pretty much you guys freed my mind. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Your mind's okay, free so, so, yeah, it's just that um, being frustrated here in Arizona, there's really not anybody motivated to do anything about it, and I'd like to try to speak my mind. Now uh, everyone around me is like looking at me like I'm some crazy nutcase standing on a crate, standing up, trying to let them know what the world's going to, and especially friends and family. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's always been this way, you know? Yeah, and so everyone's complacent, and I'm just, oh, uh, yeah, I, that's that. You know, that's the purpose of the Free State Project, my friend. <laughs> oh, I know, but yeah, I have, I have, I'm, I have, I'm stuck with family here. My wife's here, and mm-hmm. I, you know, just I'm stuck. So it's not, I, I could bring it up, but I, I can't do it. I wish I could. I, mean, I think the only thing I could think of right now is probably uh, express to others about the Free State Project, and maybe I can help them. Uh, free their mind and get them to move up there in my place. <laughs> well, yeah, that and uh, you know, it's a statement of intent. I, I always make this clear. It's not a contract. You don't absolutely, positively have to move within five years of them getting to twenty thousand. It's a ways off from twenty thousand currently. So, and I think that the you know just the signing of the statement of intent is a uh, you know is a show of support at the very least. Signing up as a friend of the Free State Project. Right, right, right. Well, my intention of the call actually was from last night's podcast. Uh, you were mentioning some some uh, uh, caller called in about uh, your viewpoint about the homeless. Yes, I'm deeply offended by homeless people. And I, and I haven't heard people. it, so I'm really, really curious about uh, what got him so fired up to listen to you. And I, I never heard you rant about the homeless yet. Uh, you know, I, I basically just say that uh, the, the homeless people offend me. They're uh, you know they're they're dirty. They smell like pee. They stand out in front of people's businesses. They sit on benches, which uh, nobody sits on benches. Who sits on benches? Um, in, in your average town, at least my experience is, the benches are there as decorations uh, so that you can trip over and f- a place for the homeless people to sit. And sleep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of – I'm really against benches too. But, um, yeah, you know, I just, I, I just don't like them much. And I think that largely the, the issue with homelessness is that they uh, – that it's, pub- it's a public property uh, thing. I don't think they should be able to sleep on public property. No. I don't think they should be able to camp in parks. No. Um, well, where are they supposed to stay, Mark? You don't believe in a social safety net either. So if you don't have a social safety net for the poor and the mentally ill, where are you going to put them? I've taken a tour of the Salvation Army in Sarasota, Florida, and it was a very, very nice uh, facility. I ate the food. It was very good. Um, the homeless in Sarasota have a place to go. I, I believe that this is true in just about every place. Um, usually homeless congregate around cities, and usually c- cities can handle these things. And uh, the, usually, that's all they have to do in order to stay there for free is take their home, you know, how not to be homeless class. Uh, and most of them don't want to do it. They prefer to be homeless. I, there's there's guys, uh, I, obviously I moved to Keene, New Hampshire about a year and a half ago, so I don't know much about our homeless problem here. I think that the cold weather kills them all. And but the coyotes. Uh, whatever. The they, you know, not a lot of homeless here. A lot of poor, you know, there's some poor people, but not a lot of homeless. But uh, th- there are people that I've seen for years being homeless in Sarasota. All right. Thanks very much. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. It's my show, Free Talk Live. This is Mark. And this is Nick. You can give us a call on the SACL CAI 800 number. That's 1-800-259-9231. 
toll-free in case you live in a cave and you don't know the 800 numbers are toll-free. That's 1-800-259-9231. And since it's a show about telephone calls, let's take one of those things. Uh, Brian in California. Hey. Hey, Ryan. So uh, my my university, at Cal Poly, is doing something with an Arab university in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And uh, it's throwing out quite the controversy here. Um, really? So what's happening is it's we got invited by the Saudi government okay. to set up an engineering program there at one of their universities. I think it's Dubai College or something like that. Okay, that's not Saudi Arabia, but all right. How could Dubai oh, College be in Saudi, Saudi Arabia? Arabia? I think. Um, Whatever it is. Anyways. It's um, one of them Arab so, colleges. Go ahead. So they want to pay $6 million to set up an engineering program there, and they want to... Uh, Sounds like so chump change. They're going to have some of our faculty go over there, and maybe some of their faculty come over here. Okay. No student exchanges. All right. Now, the controversy is the Saudis don't want any gays, any women, or any Jews. No gays, no women, no Jews attending uh, their university or um, as professors. No, they don't want any uh, faculty who are women, gays, or Jews. Okay. All right. So the controversy is should we pay $6 million and, you know, have some sort of cultural bonding with the Saudis, or should we say, no, keep your money, we're not going to let you be discriminated. Well, I think that I think that the answer for me would be, um, all right, we'll we'll concede to your terms, but it'll cost you eighteen million, not six million. Yeah, well, if we if we do that, then the they'll just say no and they'll go to a different school. So well, there you go. So I, I mean, I don't I don't really know what to think about it because I on one either. hand, you know. Um, well, if it was a private business, I'd say it'd be up to the private business owner to weigh their, you know, their social values against the potential to make money. Um, but generally, my opinion would be to tell them we'll pass, given their restrictions. I would just tell them to, you know, find someone else to do it. And yeah. you know, may, if enough universities did that, maybe that would force them to change their position. I mean, that would be the hope. Is that enough? If enough Western universities said we won't do it on those terms. The Saudis would be forced either to not get Western education or to change to a more Western tolerant model, and that's you know that's a legitimate way to try to change the culture of the Middle East. You're not forcing your way on them, but you're not going to you know change your values for them. And I don't, I'm opposed to our foreign policy and a lot of this propaganda about Islamo-fascism, but I will concede that a lot of Arab states are essentially fascist. They're theocratic states, and I don't like them very much. I don't like the yeah. governments, and um, by and large, a lot of uh, large percentages of if their people If it was my business and I got to make the, um, the decision and they told me that I couldn't send over any of my uh, faculty, uh, you know, my employees that were gay, women, or Jews, I'd be like, yeah, well, I, I may or may not have any of those, but I don't like your terms. And... Your $6 million doesn't mean anything to me. $6 million, by the way, sounds like chump change to Cal Poly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. You know, in a perfect world, everybody would say no, and they would have to change, but I doubt that will happen, so. Yeah. I doubt it will, too. (laughs) Thanks very much. Have a good day, guys. All right. And um, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Mike in Minnesota. Hello, Mike. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, well, I have a question. I don't know if y'all covered this topic before, uh, but I've heard other uh, satellite shows talk about uh, how come they never talk about Barack Obama's middle name. Um, yeah, we, I don't think we've ever discussed uh, Barack Obama's middle name on this show, but I'd be happy to discuss his middle name um, with you. And uh, Well, you know, I've heard like a little uh, rumor that his middle name possibly is Bin Laden. <laughs> I think that his middle name's Hussein. It's Hussein. Is what, uh, Hussein. Yeah. Hussein. Okay, okay. Well, my, my thing is, you know, we're looking for Obama. Well, no, we're looking for Osama, but we're going to put in a president named Obama. Does that bother you? Huh? It bothers you? Well, I'm not going to say it bothers me, but, you know, it is, you know, whole, you know how the whole conspiracies and all that good stuff, man. I, you know, me personally, man, I, I just look at stuff from different angles, and I'm sitting here like, you know, is that a coincidence that, you know, Osama, Obama, Hussein, you know what I mean? Like, that ain't even American. Well, these a lot of, it's his father, I think it was his father was a Muslim. Um, he was raised Christian. A lot of these these Islamic names are, are very, they use the same names a lot. They use Osama, yeah. Hussein is a very common name. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, you know, it's, there's a lot of repeated names. I Muhammad find, is I very find common. all of the, uh, the presidential candidates that we have the choice of currently, uh, the, the major ones, I mean, I'm, I'm for Ron Paul. He's still in the race, but the, the news media win. isn't mentioning him. So I find McCain, Clinton, and uh, Barack to be offensive, and I, I, I really won't be very happy with any of them. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, I don't know, man. The way I look at it, you know, it's just, you know, too much coincidence. I understand what you're saying about the whole, uh, they get, you know, the Muslim name and all that good, you know, good stuff and like that, man. But honestly, if... Uh, Hillary gets those super delicate votes, man. Uh, what you, uh, have y'all heard about something called the blackout? The blackout? No. Yeah, what it's supposed to be is uh, a lot of Democrats are supposed to go independent if that happens. Because, you know, Barack got the delicate votes, and, you know, it's like the same thing in 2000. You know, it's like our votes don't matter no more. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I, I I support that. Please, Barack, run an independent uh, against uh, Hillary. I would prefer to see Hillary over Barack, but, you know, it's just like... Uh, I don't have much preference. It's preferring to have stomach cancer over lung cancer. It's not much better. Right. Right. You know, uh, I don't know, man. To me, uh, I, I think just really and truly, man, the people just really need to just speak up more. You know, it's like, who do we really have is just really fight against, you know, Goliath. You know, it's like we're David, but David and Ed don't have any nuts anymore, you know? Well, who's uh, who's Goliath? Well, Mike? the Goliath is just, the, you know, politics in general. You know, it's like people, we sit back and we allow stuff to go on, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the, I think the problem is that the, the politicians keep on tossing Trojan horses at us, uh, like somehow... You know, Barack's going to save us, or Hillary's going to save us, or um, John McCain's going to save us. And none of these people—they're all politicians, and they're all going to do the same stuff to us. So, I, I think that really David is—is is you, and it's me, and we just have to say, Goliath, I'm not taking your crap anymore, and I'm not going to—you know—I'm I'm not going to bow to your will. Right, but you know, with it, it all goes back to uh, this guy—he wrote this book in Florida. Uh, called the shackling of the mind, you know, it's a psychological effect, you know, it's like, when you think of, you know, politics, you think of government, you think of government, you think of a mighty army, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, who's really going to stand up to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So, oh. you know, my, my thing is, you know, 
Why, is there anything going on right now where the people can actually, you know, got something going on where we can just say, hey, you know, look, we're, we're, our votes matter, you know? I, all I can recommend is voting for uh, Ron Paul, uh, and that's about... He can't get the nomination at this point, though, with the delegate count. It's not mathematically... Po- McCain's got it set up. Ron Paul was the best shot this time around, I'd say, and, you know, it didn't. it did better than... Some people thought it would, not as good as others. Yeah. You know, my it, solution has been to move to New Hampshire for the Free State Project. It's a uh, yeah. pro- project to move twenty thousand liberty-loving individuals to one state, and then now I'm in New Hampshire and I'm advocating for us to secede. Well, well, so you know what I think the real problem is, man, is once they took out a religion from you know religion and politics is the you know unforbidden conversation period. You know what I mean? It's like. If, ever since they took out the religious aspect of it, it's like, you know, it's been going in a downfall. You know, I I really didn't go for Huckabee, but, you know, honestly, I would like to see a Christian in the office. You know, maybe there'll be some changes. You know, like a woman, she'll pick up a sword quicker than a man, or she'll pick up a pen quicker than a man pick up a sword. Well, you know, but at the same time, I don't think, through, like, a little I, I think war, personally think the religion's too mixed uh, up in our current politics, but... Uh, Thanks for your call, Mike, and uh, you're listening to Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. All been in about whatever you'd like. one 800 You're listening to Free Talk Live, and my name's Mark. Mine's Nick. And don't be fooled, it's not your show, it's my show. But I will, however... Let you call in and talk about whatever you'd like. While you're calling, check out the archives. We have uh, seven we- uh, seven days, or actually six days, one week, but six days in the show. Uh, six days of archives right on the website on the left-hand side, right when you go to freetalklive.com. We also have a full year's worth of archives. You have to sort of know how to do the uh, the uh, the seeding thing. What is that? Uh, BitTorrent? Uh, yeah, but, but we have the capability of doing it. So you can get the last year's worth of episodes for free, no charge, unlike all the other talk shows out there. So check it out right at freetalklive.com. And does your family think your beliefs are crazy? Do you experience a nagging sense of worry that the world is becoming less free? Do you feel withdrawn or politically alienated from liberal and conservative friends? You are not alone. Statism hurts. IHS summer seminars can help. Visit libertarianseminars.com. Dot com for more information. Basically, all they want you to be is uh, sort of of college age, you know, college student, recently graduated, that kind of thing. LibertarianSeminars.com. It's for a happier future. So, uh, since it's about your calls, let's go to the amp line and talk to Sam. Sam, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you all doing, gentlemen? I'm well. How are you? Great. Um, Pugh called at the top of the last hour, and he said he had a speaking request, I believe, for him to go as a representative of IAVW, Iraqi Veterans Against the War. Yes. And it just so happens I was with the founder of that organization on Tuesday. Oh, aren't you a big shot? <laughs> on In uh, D.C. as they were out uh, doing some things. I spent a weekend out there and it just happened to uh, run into those guys. Did you see any uh, dis- dis- disgusting politicians while you were in D.C.? <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, you, you want to hear the uh, body count? Yeah. Okay, so I was there four days. I shot about two locations a day. Um, you mean with a camera? Yes. Great. <laughs> and uh, these, this is the numbers of police that 
and agents that came up and talked to me and harassed us, not just asked questions, but you know, wanted to know what we were doing and so forth. Six D.C. police, three Park Service police, wow. one Park Ranger, and one Secret Service agent. Good Lord. Plus uh, one cop. So that's almost 65 cops? No, 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 just six. Oh, six. I thought you said 6D, so almost 10 cops. Sorry, yeah, about 10 cops. And then one time we were, we were about to cross the street, and this one cop just started screaming at us, and uh, he told us to turn around and go the other way. But, you know, we both, I was with a friend of mine, Whitney, and we both said, no, we're going this way, and he didn't seem to care. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to back up to the corner and wait another about nine and a half minutes before the first uh, car in the caravan of uh, President Bush's motorcade went by, ah. followed by about 40 more vehicles. So he had wow. Where SUVs, are they all going? <laughs> probably to dinner. He had uh, two armored personnel communication carriers, uh, ambulance that goes in the motorcade. It was just ridiculous. At least probably $5,000 an hour just for his motorcade. You, I, I, 40 cars, it might even be more than that. I mean, if you if you start figuring in how much every one of the bureaucrats that's sitting in um, those 40 cars. Easily, yeah. God, like $5,000 a minute, maybe. <laughs> so um, on Tuesday, though, I was out uh, making my way around the Capitol building, and I ran into a group of guys called IAVW, the Iraqi Veterans Against the War, mm-hmm. and they were out... Uh, so it's into, against uh, Iraqi veterans against the war. So, okay, I'm just uh, trying to see what, you know, their name implies that they're against this war only. Yeah, well, I think they're kind of a uh, follow-on group to the Vietnam veterans against the war. It, that makes sense. So, and I believe John Kerry was a member of that organization. A lesson to politicians be... out there, if your war drags on too long, there'll be a veterans group that comes out that has a veterans group of that war that comes out and says they, they don't support it. So end your wars quickly if you're going to do them. Exactly. So that's what they were doing was because uh, Congress had enacted laws that required these service members to stay beyond their terms, they decided that uh, since the government works for the people, uh, the people wanted to create a stop-loss order on the members of Congress until they did what they were elected to do to stop funding the war. Ah, so well that well, they'll soon find out that in fact the government, uh, the the people are not the government in this country. <laughs> so I was uh, along with them, had the camera, turned this into a YouTube video, and uh, Puke uh, can go watch the um, interaction that the the founder of IAVW had with some of the uh, aides and representatives that came out from like John Kerry's office, Ted Kennedy's office. and uh, So you got to talk to some college kids that were working for John Kerry? Actually, the, there were college kids behind the desk. Uh, beyond that, though, because there were about 20 to 30 people and about six uh, people with cameras, mm-hmm. they would send a an actual aide or some time scheduling person or whatever, and they would deliver the message to them hope, and in the hopes that maybe the senator is going to get to hear it. Well, I, I wouldn't hang a lot of hope on that, but I do think, however, it's probably made out for made for a good video. Uh, do you go to Obscured Truth? What what it's at YouTube? Yeah, YouTube.com slash Obscured Truth, and it's uh, the latest one out there. Ah, well, I would go, but I can't spell obscure. Thanks very much, Sam. <laughs> oh, I wish I knew how to work these buttons. Crap. There oh, we go. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Free talk live. And you know, 
Inmates are running the asylum tonight. Uh, Ian is away at the talk radio seminar for uh, Radio and Records, and so it's uh, just me and Nick, man in the posts here, and uh, I don't know anything about the buttons. So let's take uh, Jeremy from Montana. Jeremy. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. Glad you're leading the show. I'm doing my best. You know, if if I did this for a week, I'd be so much better than Ian. We could just get rid of him. I don't know. I don't know about that. I like Ian, too, man. I like to hear you guys argue. There's a lot of that. But uh, anyway, I wanted to talk about um, a little bit about uh, this being the leading, you know, prisoner state in, in the whole world. The the story know? that came out recently that one out of every um, 99 Americans is uh, locked in prison and that we have more people in prison than any other nation in the world. But, you know, I think they might be biting themselves in the face because uh, most convicts that I know or ex-convicts or whatever come out of the prison even more anti-government than they were before they ever went in. And uh, I think it makes uh, I I don't know. I, I think they're going to end up biting themselves in the ass over it. Yeah, well, there's certainly no shortage of people that are uh, uh, angry in prison, but usually it comes with a combination of people that are angry and stupid. Uh, I've spent nine years in prison, and and uh, I saw that combination a great deal. I don't know, you know, most of those people, uh, you know, they're 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 going to be anti-government when they get out, but they they don't even know how to focus their anger. Like the the guy that got on that subway and shot up a bunch of white people, the black guy that got on that subway and shot up a bunch of white people. He was angry at everything and decided to shoot some white people on a subway. I mean, you know, what what's the point in that? But then there's the people like you and me, Mark. Yep. You know that focus our anger on properly. Yeah, I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I hope it makes a difference, but I, I just, I don't know. I didn't meet so, that many convicts uh, in my time that uh, it would have made a difference on. But uh, thanks for the call anyway. You're listening to Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Give us a call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI line. This is Mark, and it's Nick here. And you're listening to Free Talk Live. Call in about anything you want. But before you do that, go to wiki.freetalklive.com. We've got a uh, it, it's a basically user editable website there, and it's hundreds of pages made all by listeners. Uh, there's little fan club site, uh, you know, web pages there for each of the uh, talk show hosts and uh, all kinds of things they're talking about there. You can do anything you want. Edit to your heart's content. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And how would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days? Nick, you Uh, you disappear. Yeah, I don't need that. I die. (laughs) (laughs) But you could do it without permanently changing your diet. I did do this sort of. I I was very bad at it uh, just because... I, I, you self, couldn't stick to it. Self-control, not my strong suit. But uh, if it, you know, it, it beats the heck out of changing the diet and giving up the foods you love and, and that kind of thing. I, I would recommend it for that purpose. And they have sort of a, a lighter version you can do over 30 days rather than a nine-day cleanse. But uh, if you want to check it out, it's recommended. The doctor recommended go to ftldiscount.com. That's ftldiscount.com. 1-800-259-9231. And uh, we had said earlier that we were going to talk about the uh, 
the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto, and then we had calls for a straight hour and a half. Which is a good thing. Right. That's what the show's about. I'd like to complain about it, but, um, you know, it is a show about uh, the callers, and, and so, you know, I, I decided to let them talk whatever they want to talk about. But, uh, Nick, you've got the, uh, the the ten planks there? I do. Would you like me to read the yeah, first? Yeah, rattle them off for me. I'd like to talk about the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto. Okay. Well, number one, ab- abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. Let's see. Um, so what's that say? Abolition of, of property. Uh, basically, you the, the individual can't own land. real estate. Right. Well, I'd say that we have that one, although people may disagree with me. I disagree with you. Um, the Essentially, you don't own your land. You're a serf of the Lord that does own the land. The Lord being um, the... You know the, the the local and state uh, governments in the form of property taxes. If you d- choose not to give your, uh, your 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 tribute to the Lord, then your cop- their property that isn't yours will be confiscated from you. And um, the fact that you have these zoning laws and all that stuff, basically they the Lord tells you what you can do on your property, whether it's build commercial property or industrial property or residential property. If it is residential property, how you build that residential property, you don't own your land. Well, you do own your land. They're just highly regulated and planned in a socialist uh, form. So you can own your land. You can buy as much land as you want that you can afford. As long as you can afford to pay the taxes on it, too. Correct. I I agree that the property taxes are essentially a rent being charged to you by the government, which is supposing to own it. But... um, you can buy land. You can transfer a title when you want. The government it's, doesn't it's, hold it's the title. It's leasing. Just because you can sublet your property and uh, you know do leasing. what you want. I think I think you're minimizing what it's like to live in a truly communist society where the state does control the land. And if you want to buy, I'll land, give you that we aren't we aren't so the Soviet Union. But this is the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx. He had nothing to do with the Soviet Union. That was just the Leninist, uh, you know, Leninist Stalinist uh, application of communism. And, you know, so we have a lighter, uh, pinker communism going on in this country? I would I'd say that that plank isn't fully in effect. I, that, it's light, that's why we have, we have still some control over okay, property. Okay, so it's not, not fully everywhere, in effect. Not it's, everywhere has um, central planning of land use. There are places that don't have zoning. Granted, they're usually very rural, but, or, you know, places down south, okay, I so, think, don't have them. But, but generally, you're, most places have zoning, and that is a communist style control that we'll get to that later that's actually a different part of the platform but yes i will agree with you that about we're halfway there to a so centrally on a scale of one to ten um ten being what i imagine the soviet union was like because i have no I, i you know i don't really know what the soviet union was like and one being free and clear you own your land you can do anything you want with it where are we in your opinion between those uh one and ten um in land use, in in let's just take Keen for example, because it varies a little bit, six, seven maybe. Okay, well I I'd be willing to give those numbers too, but to me, if it's much above three, then you don't own your land. <laughs> um, I I will absolutely uh go on with these uh, planks. We've we've gotten through the first plank of the Communist Manifesto, but like I said, show about calls. So uh, there's it's Dave in Montana. Dave, you there? Hey, how you guys? Good. How are you? All right. I could hardly hear you. You're usually coming a lot stronger. Is uh, you mean on the radio or uh, on the telephone? On the telephone. I I I don't know what to tell you. All right. Hey, uh, I heard you guys talking about prisons and stuff. There's been a trend of uh, 
building privately owned prisons mm-hmm. all over the country. Yeah. And uh, they get tax money for for taking prisoners. So, like, it, it's like a fascism thing. It's like, or, you know, like the government getting in cahoots with privately owned then then what are you gonna what are they gonna do they're gonna get in cahoots with the government and legislation to, because they got to fill these places up right and it's just a really bad 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 idea i don't yep. understand how people could allow it to go on and and think it's good oh we're gonna get a hundred new jobs in our town and but listen it, it, it's they're gonna they're gonna turn them into slave factories and stuff so that they could, and uh, and then all of a sudden we're gonna it's gonna end up that you're gonna have to pay for not being arrested. You know, you know what I mean? Well, I, that's the end result. I I, I, I see a disturbing trend, Dave, and I agree with you in, in that respect. However, uh, my experience, which is you know, uh, I've got a bit of experience as far as the prison system goes, um, is that the private prisons are usually better, cleaner, safer, nicer places to be um, than a regular prison. And regular prisons already have this slave labor that you're talking about. Regular prisons contract with private companies to make all kinds of products, for instance. Uh, yeah, uh, I get calls from them all the time trying to uh, sell me stuff. I always ask, hey, are you in jail? And they go, uh-huh. Huh. And I go, is somebody listening to you talk to me? They go, uh-huh. <laughs> well, there you, you know, that's that interesting. Like a, they, never... They'd like doing it just to get out of the cell and stuff. All right, well, you know, get them busy in there and everything. But I, I just see it ending where you're going to have to pay for not getting arrested. I, I agree that it's a disturbing trend. Here, I have a solution, though. How about... Uh, private prisons, uh, and actually we do away with all state-run prisons. We only have private prisons, and the inmates actually get to pick which prison they want to go to. And the prison no, gets to pick... I don't think that they should be able to pick. You know, I, they did something wrong. Nobody likes the idea of inmates picking anything. But, but listen, um, before I go on, um, I, I understand that's bad. Nobody likes the idea. Everybody wants convicts to have bad things. But listen real quick. Um, just the entire thing. And then the prison gets to pick whether or not they'll have them. So therefore, what you've got is an incentive for the inmate to act right, because even if you're Jeffrey Dahmer, if you're um, if you're out there killing your cellmates and stuff like that, oh, no so prison's going like, to want you, and they're you know the only like a prison scholarship program or something. Yeah, I, I I really think it would work a lot better that what way. The inmates to, have a choice. What happens to all the rejects? What's that? Uh, I, I guess that would be the one state prison that's really yucky, the nasty <laughs> place to be. It would be awful, I, like I death just, row. Privately owned prisons is just a bad. You know what? Idea. You wouldn't even have to have the uh, state prison at all because one of the privately owned prisons somewhere would come up with a death row arrangement, and they would uh, they would take any inmate at all at that point. You and were talking fo- last night about like what really moves the government, and it's like these lobby lobby groups, right? Yeah. And all, if that happens, that privately owned uh, prisons is going to be a big lobby group. I say we got to make up our own lobby group, like the taxpayers' uh, legislation approval lobby group, or something like that. Well, I, I do see that uh, lobbyists could, uh, you know, uh, could, they could go for tougher laws that would therefore cause more people to be locked up. That's right. a bad thing, and I agree with you. But and, um, you know, the usually it's the judges that send people to prison, and so um, I mean, there would be a, I don't know. I am actually in favor of state prisons. I'm in favor of a lot fewer laws, but I think if you're going to have a state at all. You don't want to mix cor- private corporations running your jail system. If you want to go for a f- totally free market society, then we would have private prisons of some sort or other. 
Maybe. I, I think we could do private, uh, free market prisons. But, Dave, thanks for the call. You're listening to Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. You're listening to Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. This is Mark. And this is Nick. And it's my show. So call me and talk about, well, whatever you want to talk about. And uh, go to the uh, website, freetalklive.com. Sign up for the updates. You'll find out all the exciting things that are going on with Free Talk Live, like, uh, oh, I don't know, whenever we get some good press or... You know, for instance, I believe Ian uh, sent out an email warning everybody that I was going to be uh, running the show tonight. So you'll you'll find out everything before it happens at uh, updates.freetalklive.com. Sign up and be in the loop. And uh, that 800 number that I was mentioning earlier, it's the SACL CAI line. I keep on forgetting to say that. Uh, and if you have any kind of, uh, you know, uh, collections issues that you need to get taken care of. SACL CAI is the one to do it. They, uh, they they do collections. They do early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. So if you have accounts uh, that are out there that haven't been paying, you could just turn them over to SACL CAI. They'll write you a check for them. And they handle, these, uh, they handle, they handle collections in a way that uh, most collections companies, at least the ones that we hear about in the news, don't. They, they collect with respect. So you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. And get a hold of them that way. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. And, uh, Nick, let's go on with the, the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto since, uh, well, we don't seem to have any calls. And we'll find out whether, in fact, how many of these planks America, the United States, has actually implemented. Okay. Well, we, we went through abolition of property and land, and I think we disagreed slightly on that. But we both agreed that we're on on the way to... To the communist ideal with mm-hmm. that. Uh, number two is... Thanks for the recap. That's good radio stuff. Number two is a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. We have that. We, you, heavy? Well, I mean, it's a relative term, but we have some of the highest corporate tax rates in the world. And yeah, we have a high tax rate. I thought our corporate honest. tax was uh, 20%. That was my understanding. It's, uh, we have some of the highest rates, I believe. Well, That's what um, I've heard. A lot of countries have much lower flat corporate taxes at 10%. We would be the uh, the, the freest, the fiscally freest uh, nation on the planet if it wasn't for the level of taxation that we have on our public. And one of the reasons for that uh, level of taxation is basically supporting uh, the, the, the cop of the world. I mean, we're the, milita- we're the world's police. And so American citizens, it's, it's kind of the opposite of an empire. American citizens are paying to police the world, whereas an empire would control the world and then take tribute from all of uh, the, the, the controlled nations and you know that's the way they would you know the citizens wouldn't have to pay anything but in fact they tax us to keep the indian ocean clear of pirates and uh, and you know make sure that there's there isn't a despotic ruler in iraq or or you know that the muslims are free from trouble in bosnia herzegovina or that there's a government in haiti or all kinds of things it's just it's ludicrous but i don't know whether we're at heavy heavy to me i i guess since there are countries with higher um, tax rates than ours, I guess I don't feel like it, we're um, as heavy as others. But the top rates are higher. I mean, some countries will go way up to you know ninety percent yeah. or so. We they, used to have that here. In this right, we did, and we pro- we'll probably go back to it. To but be honest, but we have lots of uh, other taxes that are hidden in there that people don't even know they're paying. Like the corporate tax you mentioned, more or less everybody like it, the corporate taxes on Walmart. 
that's the corporation that people like to use uh, as, as examples, and we, we will use it. Essentially, anybody who goes to Walmart and buys anything at Walmart pays their corporate taxes. There's no way to get around it because Walmart has to make a profit. And if they don't make a profit, they're going to go away. So to make a profit, they have to pass on all their costs, and their costs include their corporate taxes, on to you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's true, and a lot of people don't get the hidden costs. I've actually talked to people who weren't part of the liberty movement who did understand. They were the ones who brought up the you know the cost factor involved with taxes. Um, but you know, I do have to. I, there are a lot of countries that have flat tax rates that are lower than ours. I mean, their yeah. their top rate. Uh, Eastern Europe's moving between like twenty and fifteen percent. I've seen some of those former communist mm-hmm. countries moving. We fought a, a revolutionary war over basically a one percent tax in right. this country. So um, taxes on tea and stamps, and now we, we are, everything is pretty much taxed. We've accepted we, socialism uh, pretty pretty well in this country. Oh yeah, I, I, but I would say that um, if it's not a communist ideal, then our uh, we're well on the road to socialism with our with our income tax system. I think you'd well, agree. I mean, if you look at communism from the, I mean, there was a communist party in the Soviet Union, but they didn't have communism; they had socialism. So communism, sort of an well, ideal. Communism simply can't exist because communism is everyone's the government, and essentially everyone gets to make decisions about everything. Because everyone's equal, and um, there's a there's a system that simply can't work. Well, actually, the 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 true idea with communism is that the state will disappear and people will live in a utopia, right. just because. Well, that's I think anarcho-communism. That might be a step beyond. No, but that's Marx and Marxist capitalism, uh, communism rather. Is the ideal is that eventually the state will wither away and people will just be magically transformed into working they'll work communally and there will be no private property or profit right which is ludicrous all you have to do is look at a committee and see how that operates to 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 realize that there's no way that uh the government would be able to wither away and therefore everyone would have to vote democratically on every issue what color are we going to paint the inside of the dormitories where everyone has to live communally i say chartreuse no no mauve i like a nice buttercup you know, and and therefore, uh, and talk about mired. There's no way anything would ever get done in a communist system. Communism is not an ideal. It's a uh, it's it's a ludicrous hell that people uh, uh, you know think think is a good idea that we've been told is a good idea. Not a good idea. It is good that everybody would be equal. That part is good, but the fact that they everyone else I don't else think would, that's good. Well, equality of outcome. Everybody is. You can't. That's impossible. I don't think that you necessarily would see the equality of outcome. You would see the equality of distribution. Um, but I, I didn't say that that was good. I say that everybody being treated equally is good by the government, essentially, and the government is everyone in communism. So they're all viewed by the law as equals. I think that's good. In this country, it's not true. We have uh, you know all different classes of citizens. Well, Rich people do better than poor people as far as the legal system goes. Cops are uh, you know immune to prosecution, uh, largely politicians even more so. You know, the idea is it's a forced equality of everything, and it's only you're only equal once they've implemented a socialist regime. Leading up to it, they they're going to target anybody who has more money than. I guess average is the goal they're going for, or what they think is fair or just. Right. At, at any point, if you can get, if everybody can vote to take away the money from the richest person, 
it's going to be a disaster because then there's, there's the next richest person, then the next richest person, then the next richest person, and then people realize that there's no reason to be to work or be productive, and and there are lots of people out there that are more productive uh, than other people. So then you then you're basically stifling innovation. You won't see new inventions. You won't see you won't see anything good. And uh, you stifle productivity too. Yeah, but um, the next one is somewhat. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, we can go on to the third one. I want to uh, take a caller uh, before we do that. We'll go on to the third plank of the Communist Manifesto and see whether it's been acted here in the United States or not. But uh, Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin? Hey, gentlemen. How are you doing? Uh, absolutely capital, sir. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, do I really have to talk about rubber duckies, or I just kind of threw, the, threw that in as a screwball? You can talk about whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. Okay, well, because I told your call screener that I wanted to talk about rubber duckies. You can talk about whatever you want. If I don't like it, I'll just jeer and make fun of you. Okay, great. Um, actually, I wanted to talk about you, Mark. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, it's you my know, favorite subject. Right. And, uh, and the reason why I have somewhat of a connection with you is that we have a five-month-old baby girl. Ah, and, beautiful. Uh, it changes your life, doesn't it? Oh, it's the second little girl we've had, mm. and my... My only regret in the whole process of it is that within three, four hours after she was born, I, I told my wife, I'm sorry, and she said, for what? And I said that you're going to have to go through this again until we have a boy. <laughs> I should have waited a couple weeks before I made that comment. Uh, I see. She wasn't quite ready for that at five hours, huh? No, she actually said, we're going to adopt. But, um, well, that's what I, you know, I told my wife she can have as many children as she wants, but this is the only time she's going to get pregnant. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love the idea of having a little Jack on the way, and that's going to be great. But, you know, I, I kind of think um, that adoption would be the way to go. We didn't do that this round because of, you know, implications with uh, my felony conviction. We didn't think we'd be able to do the adoption. Apparently, we didn't check thoroughly enough. And once we found out that we would be able to do it, she was pregnant. We certainly don't believe in abortion, so right. there you go. But the uh, the reason why I brought it up is uh, I've never heard you talk about home births. Yeah, we um, we were considering doing the home birth uh, situation. Uh, we'll talk. You know what? I'll will talk about what we are doing and how we're going to do it and the, uh, the the bizarre twists that are going on as far as. Uh, my wife giving birth here, and we'll uh, talk about it in a minute. 1-800-259-9231. We'll be back. one 800 is the sickle CAI toll-free line. My name's Mark. Mine's Nick. And you're listening to Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Talk about anything you'd like. But uh, right now we're talking with Kevin from Minnesota, and Kevin's asking some personal questions about what's uh, going on as far as my wife and the baby and all that stuff. So, uh, Kevin, you there? Yeah, I am. Could you uh, recap, since we're at the top of an hour, new people coming on, uh, they might want to know exactly what, we're, what, what questions we're answering here. Well, uh, I've heard Mark talking about how him and his wife are going to have a new, newborn, and I do have a newborn, and uh, I asked him about home birth. Because I would, I, I think, from a free state and everything, you'd want to be as far away from the hospital as possible. And the reason I bring this up is because the last two children that I had were both midwif- midwifery mm-hmm. and home birth. And ah, home birth too. I, I cannot, I, I, words cannot put in 
the experience of having a home birth. And, uh, and actually, they were both water births, too. And Well, did you happen to have a jacuzzi at your house? No, actually, uh, the midwife had a birthing tub, a portable birthing tub. So, like a portable jacuzzi, or is it something different? I've seen portable jacuzzis that you can... Yeah, it's, it's basically like a portable uh, jacuzzi. How many gallons did it hold? Uh, it was, I think... Almost 200 or just over. Well, you don't want that thing bust in the middle of the house. Right. Well, that, that was one of our fears, too, is we were wondering if the floor was structurally sound enough to do that. But, yeah. Um, that's, it's one of my biggest frustrations heavy. with having the home birth is to do a birth through a midwife, it costs us $3,500. Okay. And we priced it at the hospital. Ten grand. And, and the lowest price at a hospital we found was... $11,000. Yeah, that's about what it is here at, uh, at, at the hospital locally. Uh, we did the same thing. Um, at first, we were looking at home birth, and, uh, you know, we were interested in doing that. But my home isn't yet done, and for some, you know, we're just not interested in doing it in the, the small rental that we're in. You know, when I was looking for this rental, I was just looking for something, someplace to live while I looked for a place to buy. So I didn't, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little place. I'm happy with it and everything. And you know, I could live there a long time if it wasn't for uh, my wife. Uh, but, you know, she, she, like many women, she wants to nest, and, and I, I get that, and I'm, I'm fine with it. So we don't really have a place to do it at home. And uh, we did go to the hospital. They It's a very progressive hospital here in Keene, New Hampshire. They have water birth there at the hospital, and we took the little tour. And, you know, I saw some sign that uh, all babies in New Hampshire will receive the whatever shot. And I'm like, what's this sign mean? Uh, do you ha- My baby's going to get the whatever shot? And they said, well, you don't have to have it. And I said, but it says all babies will. And they said, well, you don't have to get it if you don't want to. Then why did they say all babies will if I don't have to get it if I don't want to? Shouldn't they have said, it is your option to get this, this shot? And I don't know. I don't remember what the shot was, but I can tell you that I... There will be no shots given to little Jack. Right. Well, um, especially right out of the womb. Maybe, you know, on down the line we can look at, uh, you know, some kind of vaccinations or something like that. But it seems such a terrible idea to go shoot up some little brand newborn child with these things. And an- another thing I might, I might add to that is, um, have you heard of the blood database on every child since, um, oh, what was it, like 72 or something like that? No, I don't know anything about it. That after the child is born from the umbilical cord, they will take three vials of blood. Mm-hmm. And they will send this to a national archive, hmm. and they've been doing this since the early 70s. But I but thought this cord blood was more like the mom's blood, and that a child's blood could type could change and that kind of thing. But that are they still like able to DNA the kid from there or something? Yeah, exactly. And hmm. you can actually refuse that to be done mm-hmm. because then they don't have uh, you know they don't have a sample of your child's blood in the archives, and um, also. As far as avoiding the vaccination, do not lose sight of your son at any time. Well, we looked at the ho- like I said, we looked at the hospital, and it's a very progressive hospital. But that sign bothered me, and I just I just don't trust the um, the medical staff. I just I'm sure that like if you're sitting across from me and you're a doctor, you know that you know more about medicine than I do, and I feel that that um, that that 
thought process can very easily lead someone to say, this guy's dangerous. He doesn't know what's good or bad for his kid, so I'm going to go ahead and give you know this shot or that vaccination or do this or that, swab the eyes, the kid's eyes with vitamin K or whatever it is that they're going to do. I'm going to do this because this guy's dumb um, and or ignorant. And I just, I, I, so I don't trust them. Therefore, it would be a situation where you would have, you would see me in a, in a sort of fight or flight state. I'd be like the kid, you know, have the kid as a football. If they came anywhere near him, I'd run out of the hospital. And I just don't think that's the right, uh, place for me to be coming from with my wife, you know, so vulnerable as uh, giving birth. So we went to another place and it's a birthing, birthing center right here in the, um, uh, Monadnock region. Oh, that's great. And they have uh, they have the tubs there, and they have just more room than we do at our rental. And you know they'll they take the baby directly from you know getting burned uh, getting born, put it right on the mom's uh, chest, and they say that yeah. that eye contact early on is very important as far as socialization and and that kind of thing. And uh, you know sounds good to me. I don't know whether to believe it or not, but. Uh, and then you can hang out there for a few hours and take the baby home at your leisure. leisure. I have uh, I've already bought the little car seat thing and strapping right. it in the old car there. And well, our our first child, she was in a birthing center. Uh huh. But I call it like a home birth because it, the birthing center was set up like a home. Okay. It was just it's, all quaint. That's what it looked like quiet. here too. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I highly uh, recommend it to everybody, and I commend you for doing that. And you know, good luck. Thanks very much. Uh, I always say, just shut up and nod your head. Yeah, r- r- rubber <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And don't and, eat, don't eat anything that may give you bad breath. Yeah, don't That's no, a no big garlic. Thing. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, for anybody out there who's uh, you know giving birth or whose significant other is giving birth, look into that water birth stuff. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I've seen lots of videos on it, done some studying, and and it seems like a really good thing. M- maybe I'm behind the times, and everybody else knows about this, but. I saw it when I was uh, much younger, maybe. Well, when we go anywhere and, and we tell people, and even like today we were trying to get her a Social Security card because I have a disability, but long story. Anyway, um, they're like, so what hospital was it? And we're like, it was at home. And they talk to you like you are an alien from Alpha Centurion. Just because you did the uh, home birth? Uh, because we did a home birth, and they're like, oh, my God, isn't that dangerous? And it's like, well, how do you think the world was populated? Yeah, I don't know. My best friend, uh, one of my best friends, I have two very close friends, uh, and he he was like, what are you talking about, home birth? What's gone wrong with you? And I'm like, well, you know, he said something about hospitals. I'm like, people die there. He said, they're born there, too. So, (laughs) Uh, Well, just wanted to ask, and uh, great show. I think you're carrying quite well without Ian. Yeah, it's, it was a little jerky in the first hour, just uh, trying to figure out how to do some things. But I think we're we're doing a little better. Yeah, I, I do enjoy them, but you got it covered. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and that's it for the calls. So uh, back to the Communist Manifesto. Communist uh, Manifesto. So what plank are we on here, Nick? <laughs> we are on plank three, um, and that is the abolition of all right of inheritance. Abolition of all right. Well, we're halfway there, essentially, in the United States. We have a, uh, isn't it a 15, 15% if you actually go through the will process? Um, if you don't pass your stuff out, uh, 50, excuse me, 50% uh, if you don't uh, pass your stuff out before you die and the living trust kind of thing. I think so, yeah. I think it's about half that they take. I thought that um, the death tax was gone for this year. There was something funky where the death tax had 
been allowed to expire or something, and but it, they had already passed I'm, legislation. I'm nowhere near dying, so I do, I'm not an expert on this one, but. Uh, I think we have a 12-month window here where the death tax is actually currently not in effect. So if you're going to die, back, die by December the 31st? I believe so. I believe it's coming back for 2009. They just l- allowed a gap in their uh, in their tax scheme there. Am I in your will? Um, no. Oh, you're in good shape then. Go yeah, <laughs> don't push me down any stairs. Um, yeah, I'd say we're about half there because their death tax is, if you don't fill out a will, it's 50%. So I, that's about halfway there for me. I mean, nope. there you go. So um, we'll go on with the uh, the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto and see just how close America is to slipping into the mire of socialism. Give us a call at one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Mark. You're listening and, to Free Talk Live. Sorry, and this is Nick. One eight hundred two five nine. 9231. 800 I'm Mark. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Free Talk Live. You can call in about anything you'd like. Don't be confused. It is not your show. It's mine. And uh, if you're listening somewhere, perhaps on the radio, and it's uh, you're fading in and out, or you don't like, for whatever reason, if you want to listen, you can listen on the live stream at uh, freetalklive.com. We have uh, two brands, the two types there. You can get the uh, the big, fat broadband uh, stream, or you can get the little itty-bitty dial-up stream. Your choice. Two sizes fits everybody. And we're talking about the Communist Manifesto, uh, the ten planks thereof, and seeing just how far along we are as far as these planks go here in America. Nick, where are we at? We are now at plank four, okay. which is the confiscation of the property of all emigrants and rebels. So anyone leaving the country or rebels. So anyone that leaves the country, yes. that would be that sort of immigrant, not someone coming to the country. And, uh, well, if uh, they certainly, Ed Brown was a rebel, they certainly confiscated all his property, locked him up. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll asset for, I mean, they'll take your property if you commit a, a normal civilian crime, not let alone be a combatant against the United States. So yeah, that, that, that much is true. That's definite, and um, if you leave the country, you can't leave with more than $10,000. Well, I, I imagine there are people that are successfully doing that, but, but that's you're not, probably the rule. You're, yes, the rule is you're, you, it, you can't take 10000 or more out of the country with you, so if you want to... Pack up your bags and leave for Belize or it's Luxembourg. A, it's an impotent rule because anybody well, who has more money than that uh, has figured out how to take care of that. You can wire transfer around it. And Absolutely. Offshore accounts and yeah, things like that. You know, I could call somebody tomorrow in uh, Belize, transfer money to from a bank account here to a bank account there, and then uh, move there, and poof, even I can do it. But to legally move with your money, I b- believe it's... To do it legally is very difficult. So, so and, and not to mention that if you do get arrested, um, and you're so therefore a rebel for any reason, uh, most people are going to lose their homes and lose their cars because most people are paying for their cars on payment, paying for their homes on payment, renting their homes or something of that of of that sort. And once you get arrested, you don't have any control over that. Now, perhaps if you have a wife, she may go on paying these payments and suffering arduously, uh, but. There's no guarantee of it. She could just say, eh, forget him. I'll just take all his stuff." Or you don't pay your taxes, and they just take. Then they do just take your all your property. Yes, yes, so, they do. So um, I'd say that one's pretty much in effect. 
I'd yep. say we're we're pretty much there on that one. Is that a ten out of a ten or a nine out of a ten? No, I'd say nine out of a ten. Okay. You can gather, you can get your money out of the country. They don't enforce that very stringently. But um, let's see. Moving on to number five, uh, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. So government issued credit. Debt-based money issued that's, by a national bank—that's there. That's a ten out of a ten, right? Yeah, I mean the Federal Reserve issues paper money. And it's central all, bank. It's all yeah. It's a central bank. It's based on credit. Um, and that's it, as far as I'm concerned, that should be the first plank of any um, communist uh, socialist regime, simply because that's how you control everyone. And we are completely controlled by our banking system. Oh yeah, and, and Webster's actually defines um, socialism as either the control of the means of production. Or the means of exchange. So it's not, you know, people don't really think about government money and government credit being issued as being a socialist thing, but yep. it most definitely is. It's a, the most direct form of control they can really have. So. And, and honestly, the, uh, the the people in the government don't that don't have that much control. It's the banks that, uh, you know, essentially private banks, which are contracted with the government to print our money. The government, you know, uh, orders up some uh, some. Money in the form of what T bills? Is that how it's done? I think so. Yeah. And then. Uh, T bonds or treasury no, bonds? No, tre- treasury bills. I think T okay. bills. Yeah. However, it is they order up some money and then the 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 central bank, which is the Federal Reserve, which is about as federal as Federal Express, maybe a little more, um, but not much more. They they print the money and then fulfill that order. Oh, so yeah. our our money is completely based on debt. Yes, it is, and it's centralized. I'd say that's sure. pretty close to a ten. That's a ten out of a ten. There, I'm yep. giving that ten out of ten on that one. Yep. Um. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Well, I'd say that... Um, communication one, is regulated. It's considered public airwaves. Anything the, over the airwaves. There's the FCC, which uh, you, uh, certainly more so in the past than it is now. Uh, you have to get a license to run a television station. You have to get a license to run a, uh, uh, a radio station. And so, therefore, you know, anything that goes on there is government-controlled. It's not terribly well regulated here, and they're pretty good about uh, letting you say what you want. Obviously, otherwise, Free Talk Live would not be on the air. But, you know, you can do a newspaper. I could just start a newspaper tomorrow if I felt like it. On the Internet, there's a lot of communication going on. So the Internet has sort of circumnavigated that. Whether or not um, they they meant for it to happen, we do happen to have that freedom. I don't think the government uh, meant to allow us to get the level of freedom the Internet has given us as far as communication, but we do have it. So I'd... You know, and transportation. The state's not doing a lot of transportation. Some states have agriculture checks when you come across the border in a truck that's larger well, than whatever. Well, in urban centers, you've got government bus lines, trains. Um, we've got Amtrak, which is subsidized by the true. state. Um, but we don't have a national airline, so that's something that's. Be- but of course, the government does regulate and they bail out the airline industry. Yeah, just a, just about a national airline on that. But yeah, you're right. There's a there's a lot of public transportation. Most the the largest largest amount of it is is just wasteful. Many of these mid sized and smaller uh, cities feel that it's necessary for them to have a a city bus, and most of the time it ro- rolls around empty. It's just a waste of diesel fuel. The same people that would uh, argue against uh, the argue against greenhouse gases and that kind of thing are the ones that would argue for city buses, which in their practical application are a huge uh, waste of gasoline and diesel fuel and the pollutants. You know, they're, they're polluting the, the air. It's, it's just the same sort of dichotomous doublethink that uh, most, most socialists participate in. Yeah, but I, I do have to say transport, not 
terribly nationalized compared to most other countries. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a two or three. Yeah, we're still fairly free in They're terms trying of communication and, and failing. transport. Yeah, yeah, and there are still some checks in place that they respect. So, um, let's see. Number seven, the extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. Uh, the bringing into cultiva- uh, cultivation excuse me, of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in, in accordance with a common plan. Well, we've got the Department of Agriculture, which controls, uh, you know, what people can do is, you know, the, the production of farm production and that kind of thing. It's still largely uh, privately owned. There's too many big companies, in my opinion. And the reason that there are big companies is because all the regulations that uh, Department of Agriculture and the FDA and all those other uh, government agencies have basically put the small farmer out of business. Um, as much as people want to believe that it's it's the bad bankers, I'm not saying that banks didn't have something to do with it, and I consider most banks to be darn close to a government agency, but it's, I think it's the regulation. The government largely was what had to do with the small family farmer being pushed out. And it's, and it's, it's similar uh, about factories. I mean, you can open a small factory, but... You know, to really get in there and compete against the big boys, yeah. you're dealing with all kinds of labor regulations, all kinds of uh, uh, OSHA regulations. The government's very thoroughly entrenched in that. Yeah, but and not to mention, we didn't really mention the farm subsidies, but a lot oh, of yeah. money gets thrown your way to direct, you know, crops are subsidized. Right, which, and so people that are paid a, not to grow food. There is a common agricultural plan. So, yeah, so what do you think about uh, Plank 7? Uh, many, five out of ten. Five? Maybe I'm going to give it a little higher than that. Not Maybe six? Six or seven, yeah. Free Talk Live. You can give us a call and talk about what you want to talk about. Until then, we're going to talk about the Communist uh, Manifesto and the planks and see how far we've descended into socialism. Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You're listening to Free Talk Live. My name's Mark. And mine's Nick. And uh, you can give us a call about anything you'd like to give us a call about. But uh, first, you should know that uh, you can go check out uh, our BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. There's all kinds of things going on there. You can get involved in the conversation. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. It's a um, a sort of a message board and thousands of participants. Believe me, you won't be alone if you go to bbs.freetalklive.com. And attention, libertarians, this summer the Institute for Humane Studies will be holding 14 seminars on liberty and libertarian thought at locations across the country. If you're a college student or recent graduate and interested in thoughtful discussion and challenging lectures, we want you to attend. Participation is free, and you have to apply by March the 31st. Find out more at libertarianseminars.com. So you can't just show up. You have to apply, and then they'll let you come but it's it's free libertarianseminars.com so nick we were uh, talking about uh, all all kinds of things as far as the uh, communist manifesto here and i believe we've gone 1 through 7 and uh yep. what are the last three planks of the communist manifesto um well this is number 8 equal liability of all labor establishment of industrial armies especially for agriculture so for equal liability i think they're getting at equality of um you know, what you're getting and reward for your work. Right. I, I, I guess I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with labor unions any more than I have a problem with any other club like the Boy Scouts or, uh, or the Lions Club or anything like that. And if, if you want to get together with your friends and start a labor union and um, 
and your boss doesn't fire you over that? Because I, I feel like a boss, uh, like the, the employer has the right to fire anyone for anything because, well, working for someone is a voluntary uh, association between two people, uh, two organizations or people or whatever, and I sell to the company my time, and the company then pays me for it, and that's uh, that's voluntary. I don't think that they, they should have any, any choice over that. So a labor union isn't – I don't have a problem with labor unions – what the problem I have with is when labor unions contract with the government, like the firefighters union or the teachers union or the police's union or, you know, the police union or whatever uh, union organizations that I have to deal with as a citizen when, you know, I, I, I'm stuck. I don't have any choice dealing with these people. And their unions lobby a heck of a lot harder than I'm able to because I'm out working for a living. Yeah, that's right. And but of course, in a socialism, it is aiming not just to allow unions, but to have um, the state try to dictate that everybody's going to pretty much make the right. same amount of money, no sure. matter well, what. You, you have do. minimum wages here, and you have uh, supposedly they have uh, a forty-hour work week, which doesn't seem to really work in well, application. Well, there are overtime laws, but which sometimes, depending on your industry, incentivize employers not to schedule 40 hours or more. Right. Well, but, there's plenty of people that that can't work more than 40 hours because of overtime laws and therefore don't get compensated in the way they'd like. But well, I work more than 40 hours. I don't think I've had a job in years where I didn't work more than 40 hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, but for people who are on the clock at an hourly wait, rate, that. but some people can get overtime, especially if they're in a union. So Yeah, they can. And, and you know, that's the that's the way to get it. But Time and a half. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 the government's far too involved. What do you think? Uh, give it a rate it on a scale of one to ten. How uh, thoroughly are we meshed in the uh, equality, equal liability of all labor and the well, establishment of industrial armies, especially in angri- agriculture? I'm going to say not very high, because what Marx was going for here was es- ordering the whole of society as one big factory, is what he was going for uh-huh. with that plank. And I don't think we're really getting there yet i think they're they're tweaking with certain industries i don't think overall they're trying to really turn us into one big state-run factory so not very high maybe a three Three? or four yeah four i'll give you that ninth plank um i'll read this one combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of population over the entire country. They uh, go on here, the food food processing companies are an example of this with the cooperation of the Farmers Home Administration foreclosures are buying up farms and creating conglomerates. I don't think we're very close in this one. Um, There's zoning, but I don't think we're really going for... I don't think we're trying to equally distribute. I think the the we have more ends, of a fascist yeah. uh, d- d- distribution well, as far as agriculture. The goes. E- yeah, the ends are different, but it's still trying to distribute population based on zoning laws. You can only build a house on this many acres. I mean, it's almost like we're trying to force population into the city. So, I think we're getting there, but we're not really going for the same thing that Marx was going for. I do think that the internet will cause people to spread out a bit more. I could anywhere I can get a phone line, I could do this show. So, um, people more and more that's that's the truth. People are working from home and that kind of thing. So, I think you're seeing you're going to see some of uh, you know uh, some more flight from the urban areas just because it's not as nice. You know, it's not that, not that great uh, to live in urban areas. I like to be near things that I want to be near, but being stuck in 
in traffic all day long really, really stinks. Before we go on to the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto, the one you've been waiting for, we got Vince in Indiana. Vince, are you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. I, I like the, uh, I, the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto, but I do believe they also talk about a police state. What's that? No, uh, the, the 10 planks mention a police state? Well, this is the this is Karl Marx's stuff, and Karl Marx, of course, was imagining that uh, communism was a utopia that everyone would want to be in, so there, of course, wouldn't be any police because everybody'd be very happy. Also, on the collective farms, where you know, if you had five farmers, Mm -hmm. and they all produce the same amount, yeah, like 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 that's going to work very well. No, it's not. But it was just a book, you know. (laughs) And uh, somebody thought it was a really great idea and started a movement on it. Um, Whereas you can see a lot more evidence that uh, that uh, Jonathan John Jonathan Smith's uh, work is you know more practical than Karl Marx's. Adam Adam Smith, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, I I'm sorry, I you know forgot the name. Yeah, that's a kind of long read, but I was going to tell you guys we have a police officer here. Indianapolis, mm-hmm. a narcotics officer who has been relieved of his job right now because during a narcotics bust, he stole a money order of $725. $725? Okay, what? And he cashed it okay. for himself because he said he needed to pay bills. Okay. And uh, they did they did process it here just about two weeks ago. So they're uh, they they're busting him for leave. They weren't fired. He has not been fired though. Not yet. Well, by the merit review board, but I'm surprised that he got caught. But uh, and and I'm even more surprised that they're they're going to fire him over it. But you know, I, I, good is what I've got to say to that. Um, if he's stealing money during a bust, then he'd be bad but, cop. Know, quite a few years ago, the Philadelphia Police Department was. Robbing uh, drug dealers. The police department was sort of sanctioned, or uh, police? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They were robbing the drug dealers of money. They would go out and sell the drugs, and then the police department the police wasn't sanctioned. Would, oh yeah, there were like fourteen, fifteen policemen in Philadelphia. Right, that's not a sanction. That's a that's a gang of rogue cops. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, they were. Actually, robbing the dealers and the users. They had a good little system going. I mean, what do you? And they didn't do them, but I mean, <laughs> how how are you going to? If you're a drug dealer or a drug user, for that matter, how are you going to say, "Well, I got robbed of my drugs"? You know, they took my drug money. Well, it doesn't really work that well. You don't have anybody to protect you, and therefore, you've created mm-hmm. this whole black market, uh, uh, the, this black society down there that uh, was working beneath the law, trying to uh, scurry in the dark, and. That's you know yet one more problem with the uh, the drug wars that it causes all these people that could be productive citizens to uh, scurry around in the dark and steal things. Vince, thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Sir. Yep, absolutely. This is Mark, um, and this is Nick, and you're listening to Free Talk Live. We'll be back. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Mark, and this is Nick, and it's. Free Talk Live you're listening to. You can call in, but you better be lickety-split. This is our uh, last segment for the evening. 
And uh, we'll try to get you on. But uh, other than that, we can go on with the uh, ten planks of the Communist Manifesto. Nick, you know, I'm hearing this loud, raucous rock music that I uh, for the intro. And, you know, if I really, really got to run this show for a period of time, I'd, I'd get some much better music that people would, would, would like. I like the intro music, yeah, but then I like that kind of music. Yeah. So. Yuck. Go ahead. Plank um, 10, Communist Manifesto. Have we reached socialism here in America? Well, with Plank 10, we certainly have. Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Um, and a combination of education with industrial production. So, sort the, of oh, oh okay, yeah, according to the Communist Manifesto. Industrial so arts. To, but our, our nation isn't industrial in the same way that... Uh, when Karl Marx wrote the, um, you know, the Communist Manifesto, that they had the expectation. We've, well, well, we've moved well beyond the uh, Industrial Revolution now. Well, Marx may have even, the way it's worded, it makes it sound like Marx was less restrictive than our current work policies for young people. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Back then, children's factory labor was... You know, small eight-year-old children crawling yeah. into dangerous machines. Now and, you can't. If you're 14, you can barely get a job. If you're 15, you're going to have a heck of a time getting a job. If you're 16, you've got to take special breaks, and everybody's got to take special. Make only sex. work 27 hours or something yeah, like that. I mean, you know, until you're 18, you can't uh, really go to work. You know, I think that it's a. I think it's a real problem. Um, I, I feel like I learned a lot more. I started to work at 12 years old. Now, I'll admit, I didn't uh, get paid cash until I was uh, 15. I was working, I think that uh, the rules were three hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then all day on Saturday, which was like eight hours or nine hours or whatever it was. So, by you know, it was 15, 16 hours. But I learned so much from working there, and I was working for for magazines and comic books at a comic book store and that's but that's what i wanted that's what i was spent my money on anyway um and i didn't have to pay taxes on that money that i that i earned in that uh form so i i feel like i earned i learned so much more by working than i did in in, in high school to be honest i don't know well i learned different things i worked on i worked in agriculture and you can do uh there's no child labor restrictions there like right. over Isn't 12 that strange so i when i was like 17 i worked you know overtime sometimes which is good it was you know lots of hours and that's what you want when you're working so uh you know it and it was educational in some way you learned how to you know work fill out a time card those are things that <laughs> you're probably actually going to use in your everyday life whereas a lot of the stuff you learn in school probably not right and i think that's that's more important the things that you're going to learn in your everyday life i there, there's a lot of things that I learned in high school that are just largely useless. Interesting, perhaps, but useless for me in my life. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Many many of the things in the area of uh, mathematics, most people don't use. You just don't use algebra very much. And anything above that, you've really got to be an engineer Yeah, most accountants don't even use very much of that higher math. It's, they most add accountants columns. Use, use calculators. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to have an understanding of what addition and subtraction is. I would say that. But beyond that, it's not terribly useful. Um, I think that uh, knowing grammar is good, but I, I don't know that you... I think that communication is very important, but, you know, do, do I need to know what a gerund is? Maybe, maybe. I don't think so. Um, just so much. It's part I, of I feel. speech. That's all I know. Um, I but using a noun as a verb. Or yeah. Something. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think that there's something to be said for getting a basic, well-rounded education. But right now we've got 
public schools. I mean, we've got state control of the schools, and that's what the communists were going for. Um, and that's pretty much what we have in this country. And that people pretty much embrace that that part of the platform, um, you know, the child labor laws. So that's one that we're I'd give that basically a ten out of ten. Yeah, I think we're pretty close on that one too. So, as far as the ten planks go, how how close do you say out of uh, uh, one to ten? One being a entirely uh, uh, a free economic system, and a ten being a socialist just cesspool. Kind of like the Soviet Union. You know, the Soviet Union, as I imagine it was, I don't have any idea how it really was. How close do you think uh, the United States is as far as uh, the kind of these communist planks go? I give it a seven. Seven, uh, just sort of out of scale of one to ten? Scale of one to ten. I think we're somewhere between, you know, being on the midway between total freedom and pretty much as close as to total control as you can get. We're, we're somewhere between the middle and the authoritarian regime. So we're... We're on our way. We're towards that side of the spectrum, and we seem to be sliding more towards a 10 than back. So. Well, we're going the wrong direction, in my opinion. That's absolutely true. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, so far I haven't seen much signs. I, I've seen there is more of an opposition forming to it, though, and I think that the liberty movement is getting more developed as we move down this path, and so I do have some hope that we're going to turn things around, and we might just destroy our economy and fly apart like the Soviet Union did. So that could you could always I think it could very that. easily happen. The dollar's tanking, uh, oils you know just rising. They, they say oil's going to be up to two hundred dollars uh, a, uh, a barrel here shortly. I heard four four dollars a gallon this spring to fill up. Right, and that's partially due to oil becoming you know a bit more dear on the international market, but largely due to the fact that our dollar's just turning into crap. Oh yeah, and gold just topped a thousand today. And there's nothing we're going to be able to do. Market, it. I mean, so. do about it as a, as a citizen. There's little you can do about it except take the extra money that you have and buy gold and silver right now. Uh, but I, I expect them to continue to keep going up. And uh, you know, I, every opportunity I get, I make fun of my wife who was uh, who's you know saying that I shouldn't be spending my money on gold and silver. You know, she didn't want me doing that. It was fine that I was investing in stocks, which have floundered in the last year. Um, and I, yeah. you know, like, ah, ha, 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 If you went into gold and silver a year ago, you'd be, you'd be well off right now. I you did. T- I, well, if I would have taken everything, everything. and put it in gold, gold and silver, yeah. yeah but I, that's not, I mean, that's, you're always supposed to balance your portfolio. But. Well, one thing is, is gold and silver is not nearly as liquid, and I knew that I was going to be buying a house with the money, yeah. so I needed to stay relatively liquid. The stocks managed to go up. I, I, I got in at a good time, got out at a good time, just out of luck, so I made 15 grand and, and went on my way, but. Yeah, bury those Kruger ants in the backyard. I'm not expecting it to turn around anytime soon. Well, it, the people who did that, it paid off finally. I mean, you can make fun of the gold bugs all you like, but they're, they're set as far as assets go. Their portfolio is looking pretty good. All right, well, uh, before we go, I wanted to get into this story that was that seemed like a lot of fun to me. Apparently, out of Las, Las Vegas, New Mexico, not Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico, Jesse Virgil's black and white course, uh, black and white car sports in a, a red and white, a red and blue emergency bar across the top, and the word "police" painted on the door. Virgil, however, is no cop. Law enforcement agencies say that what he's done with his car is not illegal as long as he doesn't act like a police officer. So he's driving around in a cop car, but he's not acting like a police officer. Why, you say? Well, he started decorating his 2007 Ford Mustang last summer to look like the police cruiser in Transformers, the movie. Did you see this, Nick? I didn't see it. I thought uh, it was awesome. It was a great movie. 
that's what I heard Ian say. I'm, it didn't look like my kind of movie. Didn't but, do anything for you? No, but maybe I'd like it if I watched it. Didn't feel like spending money in the theater anyway. Gotcha. Well, it's it's good and worth seeing, in my opinion. Uh, he, he did it because his seven-year-old son loved the movie. My intent was to create the movie car, said Virgil, a 35-year-old disabled veteran from the war in Iraq. When I came home from Iraq, I tried to spoil him. I wasn't the best dad before, probably because he was away doing uh, Iraq stuff. He said he called the district attorney's office beforehand and spoke to Chief Deputy District Attorney Joe something or other, who tried to discourage his decorating scheme, but couldn't find anything in the law that would stop Virgil as long as he didn't impersonate an officer. That's nice that he was able to get that, because usually you'll just get a no <laughs> when you uh, deal with a bureaucrat. Oh, I think in New Hampshire you get a no. They yeah. don't like you putting emergency lights on your vehicle. The uh, bureaucrat said that the uh, state law prevents people from mimicking state police cars, which are painted black and white. But he also said that state police sell their old cars to private citizens without changing the colors. So are we violating our own law by not repainting them, he asks? He called the state law vague and noted that the normal police uh, cars aren't Mustangs. I don't think this guy has any intent to mimic a state police officer, said the bureaucrat. I'm not, having, uh, I'm not hearing that he's causing a problem and arresting people, and I don't imagine he is. He just wants a car that looks like the uh, Transformers cop car. Uh, a close look showed that Virgil's car isn't a police cruise, cruiser. This is my favorite part, Nick. Instead of the familiar to protect and serve, it carries the motto, to punish and enslave. <laughs> That's right. All police cars should carry this motto, to punish and enslave. Whether the cops like it or not, largely their jobs have to do with punishing and enslaving us. <laughs> um, it says so on the side. Indeed, uh, instead of telling people to dial 911 for emergency, the Mustang advises them to dial 411 for th- theater information. I guess, instead of 911. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that would make any difference at all. He originally unmarked his car Transformers Police, but later changed it just to police. He also added appeared what to be emergency lights, but they don't actually work. Uh, Virgil acknowledged that people have mixed feelings about his car. And, uh, of course, the bureaucrat said that he's concerned with the safety of people or think he's an officer. He might get help from him. I don't see that there's many scenarios that matter. It's been Mark with you. And Nick. And you've been listening to Free Talk Live. Thanks very much. Tune in tomorrow. 